do you view your own success? Are you leading with compassion or are you considered ruthless? There is plenty of room for both types of leaders, but the best way to lead successfully is to balance boldness and integrity, using kindness and compassion to earn respect. Combine this with a go-getter, visionary, and aggressive drive to stay competitive. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks. We'll use the ideas heard today and in this series to help you use every advantage to achieve the best end result. Now, here's your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Delighted you're able to join us this afternoon. And today's guest, well, let me tell you a little bit about John Storm. I met John last year, and it has been a fun and engaging relationship since then. And John is the founder of Brainstorm Network. We actually did a show on brainstorming back March of 2016. So you could always go back and listen to that show on the archives. And what he really excels in is being an expert with people who want to bring ideas to life. And that's what today's show is going to focus on, around innovation and design. Now, his focus is on getting people and companies unstuck fresh, sparked thinking, and generating game-changing ideas for solutions as well as results. Now, he offers innovative services of facilitation and training, um, the usual repertoire of keynotes and retreats. He definitely is someone that you'd want to put on your wish list. And within that area of innovation, he really applies innovative thinking and has a proprietary set of brainstorming tools to solve challenges. And those challenges can be related to strategic planning or marketing and sales, new product development, uh, change management, you name it. He is a certified facilitator. So today we're going to really focus on the innovation aspect of John's skill sets. He's got some treats for you at the end of the show. John, welcome to today's show. Hello, Kathy. How are you doing Hello, today? Hello. I'm, I'm fantastic, and I'm so glad that you're able to come back and do another show with us. I just didn't get enough the first time, and this topic certainly is one of intrigue for me. So share with us a little bit. How did you get into the innovation business? Well, thank you for the chance to come back and share a little bit more on the bigger side of innovation. We had such a great time talking about the brainstorming topic that this is going to be fun to kind of talk about the bigger picture of innovation. Basically, as we kind of talked about before, I got my background in innovation really within my growing up in a my family's entrepreneurial fishing lure business. It was called Storm Lures, and we ran that company for 34 years. I served as a marketing director for about 14 years, and that's kind of how I first got started in innovation, learning about brainstorming, and then ultimately about how to take ideas that we come up with and bring them to life. But about 15 years ago, I got involved really through my own company, Brainstorm Network, and that kind of started out as being sort of an idea guy that would come in and help people um, come up with ideas. And then I started doing some speaking training, uh, helping people to figure out basically how to come up with ideas for themselves. And then kind of a mix of facilitation and consulting where I'll come in and work with teams to bring their big picture problems, uh, some sort of solutions to those. But today, really, I got kind of fired up when we were talking about doing this show because 
Recently, I had several pretty well-established companies contact me about developing innovation programs, and I had this aha moment when I realized that (laughs) I didn't really have a great framework that I'd ever put together about how to help someone design an entire innovation strategy. So I looked back and took 25 years of innovation experience and created a new model, and we're going to talk a little bit about that later on in the show. Well, and I love that new model. You were able to release it to me, and you were still tinkering with it a little bit. And just knowing that you bring 25 years into your lane of expertise is great for our listeners to know. And I've actually been the recipient. A few times we've had some brainstorming conversations, and you've asked some questions that led me into some larger thinking and some areas of uh, entree that I hadn't thought about. So I know this is a skill set that comes to you quite organically, and I'm sure some of it has to do with your family background. Well, that helped. I had a good a good and crazy father who always came up with lots of ideas. We had the million-dollar idea conversation at the dinner table most every night, but fortunately, uh, he I was able to see him come up with a few that actually worked, and <laughs> that kind of sparked the idea to ask uh, good strategic questions to help other people do the same. Well, and speaking of those questions, if we were to put our CEO or leadership team hat on for a while, what are some of the questions that should be asked about innovation strategy? I'm sure it's important to distill down the concept a bit. So what would be some of the key questions that need to be asked? Okay, well, I think there's really two key questions that any CEO or leadership team should really ask. And the first one really is, Basically, how do they define innovation? Particularly, how does the CEO define innovation? And is that really clear to all the, all of the employees and team members? Because what I've found is that innovation means different things to different people. I've had two good stories lately. The first one was a year or two ago, I, I was facilitating a session with about 15 CEOs, and I asked them to write down their definition of innovation just on an index card that I gave them. And then they had to read them out loud, and the funny thing was, here's these 15 high-powered CEOs, not one had the same definition. And that was kind of an aha moment for them, because they realized that whenever they use their word innovation with their team, that there's a pretty good chance that their team and their employees really may not know exactly what they mean. I did the same thing a couple of months ago with 10 of the senior organizational development people, and (laughs) same thing. Not one definition was the same. So I just kind of came up with a list. Really, innovation can mean a lot of different things, and I came up with a short list. I'll just kind of run over these real quickly just so that you can kind of get a feel for what innovation could mean. Some people will say, when they say innovation, they think of a thing like a light bulb or an iPhone or a you know, drill bit or something that has an innovative flavor to it. Some people think about it as a value. They say, well, innovation is one of our core values. And that's really cool, but, you know, and this is something that's important to you, but it doesn't necessarily mean that people understand how that gets fleshed out in the company. Other people think about it as kind of a concept, just as an idea. We believe in innovation whatever that means. So it's kind of wishy-washy, but, you know, it's a great idea, but what does that really translate to mean for the common person? Some people think of it as a program or a skill set. These are things that we're going to teach or train to our people. Others, a mindset. They think that this is sort of innovation as an approach to life and work, you know, things like seeing with fresh eyes or 
thinking outside the box, continuous improvement, all these kind of elements that are sometimes a part of innovation. When you get to the CEO level or the C-level as a whole, sometimes they think about innovation as just being R&D. This is what happens in the research and development lab or maybe even technology because many times people think that since there's so much great technology out there that has innovation in it, whether it's, you know, the devices that we use, the uh, laptops or phones, or even big things like big data or artificial intelligence or cloud computing or the Internet of Things. All these, to many people, mean um, innovation. But I'm about through. Ultimately, sometimes people think about innovation as a culture, basically this um, dynamic, open-minded environment where everybody gets a chance to share their ideas and a spirit of collaboration. Uh, but then you find some people thinking about innovation as a process. And this is the one kind of I gravitate toward because I think about innovation as being a process, but the process that you find to bring any idea to life or an evolving group of ideas to life. Uh, if you're a, you know, setting the strategy for your company, then you may think about innovation as a strategy because many times the people will use this as competitive advantage. You know, we pursue innovation to have a competitive advantage over our competitors. But my least favorite is what I just call the buzzword because so many times if you just start looking at people's mission statements, their speeches, their press releases, you know, all their logos, it really has, innovation has just become a buzzword that's thrown around like magic dust. And that really doesn't add much positive to the, to the equation. So there's well, and I get that. One. How do you define innovation? That makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And as as I was listening to you, I was I, I was flashing back on several corporate meetings I've been in over my 25 years in uh, in the the work environment, and I think. Innovation, as you say, the the most dangerous aspect is when it's just a buzzword that can be tossed around. And what I'm tying your kind of innovative, um, kind of the brainstorming aspect of it and the way that you're defining innovation is something that you walk away and there are measurable results attached to whatever that innovation is. And I love that. Because those measurable results, uh, the company that I work with, Clemmer and Associates Leadership Seminars, we define everything by results. Now, it's a people formula. It's always people-driven, but the results need to be measured. So, I love that concept in terms of innovation. Well, you led us perfectly into the second question that C-level people should ask, and Really, that is how clearly does the team understand the value and the benefits of innovation. So, really, it gets down to these metrics that you're talking about. And, you know, there's a variety of ways that we can measure success in any organization. And if you want to go deep philosophically, we can also think about ways that we measure success in life. Um, Sometimes our success definitions are going to be different. But Mm -hmm. from a business standpoint, Basically, there are always hard metrics like increasing your shareholder value or the number of patents that you get or the number of ideas that you harvest from your employees or stakeholders. You know, have costs gone down? Have profits gone up? Have you reduced accidents? I mean, these are the kind of things that 
our our hard metrics. But I think we have to remember too that oftentimes the soft metrics are the ones that ultimately affect uh, someone's ability to feel engaged and to want to stay at a company. So soft metrics like you know employee retention or a positive attitude on the part of the team, a collaborative relationship, effective communication, you know, minimized conflict, a resolved conflict. I mean, these are all soft topics or soft metrics that have tangible value that lubricate a company's innovation engine. So you can also think about value and benefits about external because there are some things that you do in innovation, like, you know, externally you get good public relations, you get increased shareholder enthusiasm. These are things that affect people outside the organization. But you can also think about internal benefits, about employees that are engaged and enthusiastic and committed to what's going on in your organization. So I think those are the two key things, basically the definition of innovation and then the value and benefits of innovation. Those are critical at the front end. That makes sense. And I love what you said in the top of the show around ensuring that everyone has the same definition when it comes to innovation in their culture. Uh, I just experienced that at a corporate conference recently where a key topic, a key module within the training of the organization was thrown out by the president. And she said, okay, tell me what this means. To I want to hear what everyone thinks this means. And we literally all were landing on the wrong definition. And (laughs) I mean, absolutely everyone. And once she realized, I mean, it was a brilliant question to ask of the team. Once she realized that we were on the wrong definition of a particular term, she was able to course correct us and literally unpackage about a two, two and a half hour training to make sure we understand it. And it's actually a a deep level concept around changing behavior and um, testing myself on a daily basis to make sure that uh, behavior is changing and creating different habits. Um, But it was a real eye-opener for me in terms of just getting on the same page of the definition. You've been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour, and today our host is John Storm. We're listening to John share with us about the value of innovation, and he's going to share with us his beautiful concept regarding innovation design wheel stay tuned for more leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer & Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth 
is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at klemmer.com. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at CompassionateSamuraiShow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I'm your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and today we're joined by guest expert John Storm, who's speaking with us today on the innovation design wheel in all aspects of business innovation. So, John, we kind of left off in terms of the value of innovation, and tell me, when do people really need innovation? Well, usually there's two scenarios that happen when uh, somebody contacts me or they're interested in talking about it. The first is what I call sort of a reactive scenario where they're sort of on defense or some big crisis or industry turmoil, desperation, some big problems going on. And then the other side of it obviously would be a proactive or an offense-type approach where you're trying to think ahead, get ahead of the curve, change the game, disrupt uh, disrupt the industry before you get disrupted. And so, really, when people, they need innovation when they've either got big problems or they're really trying to get ahead of the game. That's kind of the main thing. I think a little bit about what the taxi companies could have possibly done uh, to disrupt their industry before Uber and Lyft came along. These are the kinds of things that they potentially could have or should have been thinking about. So, my preferred process when I talk with people is to try to help them create a fit-for-purpose innovation model that fits on their industry, capitalizes on their strengths, and addresses any of the key shortcomings that are holding them back. So that's kind of uh, a quick summary, looking at the big challenges or what's ahead. So could you expand on that a little bit about your current approach uh, with companies you work with regarding innovation? Because you're unique in this aspect. Well, I mean, what I've found is that most companies have a lot of intelligent and motivated people. And so my job really is to kind of come in and gather their various perspectives to get them mixing it up, uh, get them out of some of the ruts that they're in, get them talking together, solve some of the conflicts that have been there, and then find what key elements we have to build on, uh, looking for some level of consensus, what works within their situation, and I think one of the, a great example is a, a story I just heard this last week about a CEO that had a great conversation with his janitor several years ago. Uh, the janitor just happened to mention as they were chatting that all he said the garbage was getting heavier. And the CEO said, what? He hmm. said, yeah, we're, we're throwing away an enormous amount more than what we used to. And what happened then was just remarkable because the CEO not only asked a question, which is the, quote, lowest person on the totem pole, but he listened, and then they got to digging in and found out that they were having all kinds of overruns, and they were having all kinds of waste, and all this was going out the door as trash. Um, so here's, <laughs> I mean, this is a great example of just gathering perspective from all levels within the company and trying to come up with a system uh, to be able to address the issues 
that some of them are hidden, some of them are right in your face. I usually like to ask three questions to try to figure out whether a client is really ready or a prospect is really ready. The first one is this idea about definitions. How do they define innovation? So that helps me kind of figure out what they're thinking. Number two, I ask them how many uh, of their managers want employees who think outside the box. And that's a great question and a fun exercise built on a hotjobs.com survey several years ago that asked that question, how many managers want employees who think outside the box? And I usually get pessimists and optimists. In this case, the pessimists win 7%. Mm-hmm. As in the single-digit number seven, only 7% of managers wanted employees who think outside the box. And that sparks a great discussion about how it, that life is in their organization. Lastly, I like to ask, basically, how many brainstorming techniques do they think their people know? And the general answer is usually one to two techniques um, that are usually 1950s brainstorming techniques. And when I tell them that there's, you know, 30, 40, 50, 100 different types of harvesting and sparking brainstorming techniques, that kind of blows them away about how much they might potentially need to expand or grow their employees' uh, innovation capacity. And so that's kind of how my, my a quick sample of my approach to innovation. Yeah, I'm hearing basically you're able to get in there and loosen things up a little bit and help a team, help a company find that untapped talent, that untapped brain power that might not have an invitation to either even share ideas or concepts. And certainly if they're using techniques back in the 50s or let's face it, even the 70s, you got to get into the current market, the current plan um, with all the disruptive technology that's going around. If you're not edgy with your innovation, you may not make Make it over the last over the long haul. Um, that that really comes to mind with me. I think you've kind of stumbled upon um, a question that I need to ask, and that's what are some of those key obstacles? I mean, I'm hearing seven percent of managers really wanting to to get that feedback from employees. That must be a key obstacle. But what are some of the other? It hurts my heart to hear that. Uh, what are some of the other obstacles? Well, one thing we usually try to figure out right off the bat, we usually do some kind of an assessment, uh, usually anonymous assessment, asking people, you know, what are the things that they hear that are going on that might get in the way of an innovation strategy or program? And, you know, you can usually kind of tell within a company what attitudes are going on. If you hear a lot of, hey, we've tried that before, we can't do that, that won't work, we've never done it that way. If you hear a lot of that kind of talk, then you know that you've got some challenges, but You know, I guess if I wanted to be encouraging, it's that most every organization faces the normal obstacles, things like miscommunication or lack of trust, the silos and the politics that are part of, you know, every organization, unresolved conflict, or maybe it's just poor conflict resolution skills. People get stuck. Uh, And then I think the last two that are normal within most of us is that if you're if you're a successful business, that usually leads to kind of an attitude of arrogance or we know what we're doing, and that can be a huge obstacle to uh, really being innovative. Yeah, I've uh, I've worked in the corporate world for that kind of culture, and um, 
it wasn't a culture that I could embrace. I, I wasn't there for long, but it certainly wasn't a, you know, we've got this figure out, we're the biggest, we're the best, therefore, Mr. Customer, you need to come with us. The value of what the company could really bring to the table just never got uncovered uh, with that thought process. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I I find, and tell me if you find this, um, people will make up a story around what's going on. And it may not have the factual basis, but the story gets speed and starts gaining momentum like a snowball. And all of a sudden, you have resentments that can be built up in a company or silos that that occur and nobody really knows the genesis of it anymore. They just know the silos are there. Do you run into that from time to time? Oh, yeah. The sexy word is memes, M-E-M-E-S. <laughs> what are the memes that we tell ourselves? And, boy, and especially larger corporations, you get these kind of uh, stories floating around. And there may be some element of truth a while back, but sometimes they get bigger and bigger. And next thing you know, you've got to do a... Um, uncommunication strategy before you can actually get to an innovation strategy. So, yes, I I agree with you. Yes. Well, and, you know, often uh, with Clemmer and Associates, we'll go in and we'll do our, our research beforehand and make sure that we're setting up the right modules that are going to move a company forward in the best possible way. And every company, I, I have yet for any client to not put near the top of their list something that they'd like to work on is communication. And when we drill down just a layer or two, it's never a problem really around communication. And you touched upon this. It's about trust or lack of trust. So yeah. coming in and really dealing with that lack of trust is certainly key, um, which isn't always easy to do. Are there any dangers of innovation these days? Well, I think for sure that we find ways that uh, innovation can be dangerous to a company. I mean, certainly there are companies that go too fast. Uh, they don't have a foundation built up. Maybe it's that trust issue. Maybe it's they don't have enough bandwidths for their people, and so they start out of the gate too fast and sometimes burn out. Uh, also, just an attitude that expecting that innovation is always going to work. Uh, basically, many times, the, it's a fact that failure is an essential part of the process, so having a reasonable, realistic risk tolerance is extremely helpful. I think some companies just aren't ready or they're short-sighted or impatient. I like to talk about it as American focus versus Chinese focus. I mean, usually American focus is on quarterly results, whereas the Chinese have a great reputation for thinking about generations. How are we going to create something that lasts hundreds of years? And so that is, these are some dangers, certainly, as a part of the innovation uh, topic. Sure, that makes sense. I I I love the um, the opposite, uh, the yin and the yang of that for sure. So, who do you consider some of the best innovators out there, or that have have uh, walked in history? Well, I I like to think about them as different kinds of innovators. Uh, I think like to think about them as thinkers, inventors, entrepreneurs, and disruptors, and. You know, there's the common list that we hear in just about every business conversation today from Steve Jobs, Richard Branson, um, Tesla, Da Vinci, Elon Musk. I mean, these are 
people that are well known to be innovators of some sort. But I like to think like more personally, I challenge people sometimes to think of who the best innovators are in their organization or organizations they work with, I mean, churches, uh, nonprofits, whatever, and really it comes down to kind of characteristics. You know, are they open-minded? Are they curious? Are they want to learn? Are they observant? Do they connect the dots between all their learnings? Can they do both broad and focused uh, thinking? And then ultimately, do they have any grit? <laughs> There's evidently a great book out right now called Grit. And this idea about resilience, you know, when you fail, getting back up and persevering, these are some of the best characteristics of the best innovators. I just saw mm-hmm. something last night, actually, the CBS show uh, about Lonnie Johnson, the guy who invented the super soaker uh, water <laughs> water mm. gun. Oh, my gosh, he has a great story. And, I mean, just look up the name Lonnie Johnson on the on your internet uh, search engine, and you will be blown away by some of the cool things that he developed and how the story came about, how he, he was working on a heat pump in his house and pulled on a lever and water sprayed out, and he said, wow, maybe that could work for a water gun. <laughs> anyway, I love it. They sold a billion dollars worth of water soakers, super soakers, which is, that's a lot of super soakers. But that's it's a cool a- invention. That is a lot. That's a lot of uh, laundry. That's a lot of neighborhood uh, n- neighborhood uh, parties Mischief. there. I know. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, we are coming up on our next break. You've been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Come back. John's got some great preparation strategies in terms of innovation in our next segment. Stay tuned for more. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer & Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at klemmer.com. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at compassionatesamuraishow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. 
Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I'm your host, Kathy Fairbanks, and today we are joined by John Storm. John is the CEO of Brainstorm Network, and he's been sharing his insights today on innovation. We're going to talk about a little bit of the preparation required for the best innovation strategies, the initiatives, and what sort of programs surface with the topic of innovation. John, could you share a little bit on that? You bet. This idea about preparing for your innovation strategy is something that has really been fresh to me in the last couple of months. I've been working on this new model. It's called the Innovation Design Wheel. And I've had two other models that I've used. And at the end of the show, I'm going to offer to send these to people for free just to take over. But the first one is called the High Stakes Innovation Process. And it basically talks about the 12 stages of innovation from the starting of an idea uh, all the way through to sustaining the idea. Um, the second model is called the Innovation Continuum, and it just talks about kind of this balance that we have in innovation between safety and risk. And it's kind of fun to just get your teams thinking about what is our primary driver's and then this new design wheel is basically got um, seven key questions to try to get us to think about what is it that would really help us design uh, a great innovation strategy or program for your company. Well, I love the way that this design wheel looks. Would you be able to unpackage it a little bit? I think you call them or reference them uh, since it is a wheel that you, they have the seven spokes. Would you walk us through steps uh, or spokes one through seven? <laughs> you bet. Well, one thing for uh, people that are listening, uh, it'd be nice if you could see this chart. I'm volunteering to send it to you later. But basically, there are these seven spokes, and I, I like to start. These are in kind of a... Uh, progressive order as I try to help my clients and prospects think about what they really want to do in their innovation uh, strategy. The first one is what I call triggers and drivers, and this is where we're really looking at being interested in the spark for innovation. Why now? Who's driving the idea, and where's their passion coming from? How big are these the stakes that are going on? And you know, are they are you more driven by the opportunity of pain or pleasure? Are there you know, challenges happening right now, and that's why you want to innovate, or are you wanting to gain pleasure, i.e. future rewards, and really just kind of digging into what are the issues going on in your business right now. So that's uh, spoke number one. Spoke number two is what we call business model and strategy, and this is where we really look at deeply at your values, your mission, and your vision, your definitions of innovation, and basically, you know, trying to describe Clearly, what does an innovative company look, feel, and sound like? Uh, what are you envisioning that fitting? How do you envision it fitting into your corporate values? And really, then you tie that with your business model. How are you currently generating revenue and profits? And what industry and markets are you in? Uh, is this industry ripe for disruption? Um, does your business model and your strategy perhaps need some innovation? And one good reference there is Simon Sinek's book called Start With Why. He also has a TED Talk on the same topic, just kind of helping you think through what is your purpose as an organization. Once we get clear about that, we move to number three, which is the value and metrics. And we already talked about this a little bit, but we try to get really clear about the value of innovation to your company. What does success really look like? What are the metrics that we're going to use to measure innovation? And then what are the results and outcomes that you expect from this innovation focus and the investment? 
And I'd like to challenge people to think about the tangible and intangible metrics that you can uh, look at within any innovation initiative. So that's that's the first three. Um, when we go to number four, uh, it's scope and structure. And here what we're looking about is really what are you going to apply innovation to? Is it specifically a, a project or a a topic, is it, as Jim Collins said, a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal, or a moonshot? Is it a change-the-world kind of approach? So, you know, are we wanting to look at having massive impact on the company culture and the global culture? Um, sometimes we, I find that people are wanting, they have one specific thing that's kind of driving them, and then other people have sort of a change the world. I was up at Microsoft this last week, and one of the things that I really uh, noticed with them is that they have a, a big cause where they want to empower the world. And that it takes a little different approach to how you would structure your innovation strategy. Um, it also kind of makes you think about, really, are you more system and process driven, or are you event and project driven? Let me pause there for a second and see if you want to jump on any of that, and then I can cover the last three. Well, yeah, I do. Thank you. Uh, one of the questions as you were walking me through the spokes, I'm wondering where do you find the optimal level of engagement, or maybe it's client-specific, where you want to incorporate the entire team into, let's say, the first four spokes, or do you leave that up to your leadership team exclusively? Because clearly one is top-down versus bottom-up. What's your experience around this? You know, it's certainly... Kathy, it depends on the size of the company from the standpoint of what, how much data you can possibly manage. I have a pretty strong bias towards feeling that nearly every person in, or every person in the world is capable of coming up with an idea, uh, and yet you can't harvest all of those. So I like to try to look for ways to um, perhaps do a, a survey, which opens it up to a larger number of people, and then filter those through the leadership teams uh, so that everyone feels like they can have some part in it, that they have legitimate buy-in and ownership of the direction of the company, even if their particular idea may or may not be uh, implemented. Yeah, that makes sense because every time we measure in terms of our training and and how it has assisted in uh, putting the employee engagement literally through the roof with every client that we work with, uh, if they want to focus on employee employee engagement improvements, and one of those topics is the feeling of being heard. Now, it doesn't mean that every idea you serve up, obviously, is going to be adopted, but feeling heard definitely creates the loyalty, the following, and kind of the, your needs are met. And I've experienced that in the company, certainly with Clemmer and Associates, and um, I'm just fine. I see my role as, hey, I've got what I think is a great idea. I'm going to serve it up. If it gets adopted, great. If it doesn't, I know that the leadership team is working on initiatives that are moving the, the company forward, and I feel heard makes a difference. Yes, and I think the key there is that uh, the most healthy cultures are one in which 
you have systems and uh, an atmosphere in place that people can feel like they have a way to share those anytime, not just when we're first setting up the initiative. And so this idea about being heard is a great, uh, I agree with you on that one 100%. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Well, I think we're on number five, right? Spoke number five? All right. Num- number five in the spoke is leadership and responsibility. And it kind of ties into your question there because, Oftentimes, we have to ask the leadership team, are you thinking about, you know, who's really going to own this? Is this really just going to be, are we going to kind of create a VP of uh, innovation or a chief innovation officer, and that's going to be their job? Or are we going to try to invest in helping everyone in the company take responsibility for innovation? So, you know, oftentimes the R&D people, they get saddled up with, quote, innovation, but what if it's the janitor or the receptionist or, you know, the one of the vendors, any of these other stakeholders that might have an interest in helping the company grow. So oftentimes we'll just wrestle here in spoke number five and asking where do you what's your vision for leadership and who's what kind of buy in are we gonna need or what can we get? Is it just a fad? Uh there's a funny uh, funny uh comment that oftentimes is made within companies that have lots of initiatives and that's the old school people just saying, settle down, settle down, just wait, it'll pass. This initiative <laughs> will pass. <laughs> and we laugh about that, but that's true. Sometimes innovation isn't really a lifestyle or a part of your culture. It's just the latest and flavors that are going to flow through the organization. So let's jump to number six, and that's resources and investment. Basically, we're looking at you know what kind of resources can you invest in your innovation efforts, time, energy, money. Are you planning on doing it yourself, or do you have outsiders that can be involved? Are you wanting to change the culture and the people? And if so, what will the role of rewards and incentives and compensation be? Looking at all these things, we try to figure out, okay, you know, do we have uh, million-dollar dreams on a you know beer budget, or <laughs> how do we... How do we basically uh, work through the issue about using resources that the company has available? And then the very last uh, spoke, I know we're trying to wrap up here, but timeframes and sustainability. So basically, we're kind of looking at this expectation for when they expect results, short, mid, long term. What kind of time frame can they make a decision? When do they want to start? And are we thinking Chinese? Or are we thinking American as far as the long term results? What's going to keep us going in the long run so that this isn't just an initiative, but how do we sustain this and keep it fresh so that innovation keeps going after the initial enthusiasm kind of fades? So those are the seven key spokes, which are seven key questions and issues that I've been using now to try to help people design an amazing innovation strategy or program for their company. Well, I love this design. I love it in a way that um, it's all interchangeable and it's all important. For those of you that uh, were taking notes or might have missed a word or two, I want to make sure that you captured um, in terms of the innovation design wheel. Number one is regarding triggers or drivers in your business. Number two would be your business model or your strategy. Three would be your values or your matrix. Four, your scope or structure, and five, leadership and the responsibility, six, the resources or investment into this new innovation, and then seven, timeframes and sustainability. Because without the sustainability, 
you you have wasted effort. And as you brought up before, not everything will be vetted out and adopted and or launched. But this certainly seems to be a method in which we can stay on track and stay checked in terms of are we moving through the spokes of the wheel. So you have been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Stay tuned for our last segment. John's going to have some tools, some gifts to share. And I want to hear about some of those matrix and success stories that John has been able to implement with his clientele around the world. You've been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer & Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at K-L-E-M-M-E-R dot com. You are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is Kathy at Compassionate Samurai Show.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. This is our last segment for the show today, and it has just been a true delight to have John Storm on, and he's sharing the business expertise. I've kind of uh, plastered the design wheel on the top of my desk, and when I have a new campaign uh, that I'm ready to launch or a new idea that I'm serving up to the CEO, I'm definitely adopting this wheel. It's going to keep me on track, no pun intended, but it's going to allow me, I think, to work at a more rapid and sustainable pace. So, John, I'm most grateful for the tools you've been sharing with us today. Well, good. It's fun to share things that actually help people. So, I'm glad to know that you're even thinking about it. So, good. Thank you. Yeah. You bet. You bet. So, besides me, what other problems do you help your uh, your clients solve? Where do you really dig in? And um, I know that sometimes as a client, They can be so deep in the weeds that pulling you in as that outside expert, you're able to identify some of those problems and get them remediated right away. Could you share with us uh, some of those problems that you really go in and tackle? Well, one of the beautiful things about innovation as a whole is that it's not really a, a topic that you just become an expert in and then you don't have something to apply it to. Innovation should be applied to all areas of a business and It seems that most of the issues that I end up helping people with the most relate to their strategy or strategic planning efforts because sometimes they get stuck doing that. 
their marketing efforts and trying to, you know, get their salespeople and business development people to really be out there thinking um, in new ways or finding new types of business. And then obviously in things like new product development where you're trying to fill up your innovation pipeline. And so really it seems that most of my work is when my clients are stuck in some way, they need some fresh thinking and, and or they want to generate some game-changing ideas and insights to solve their million-dollar problems. And so that's that's the kind of work that I do, mainly trying to, I mean, the, my logo or my motto for the company is my mission is to bring your ideas to life. And so when you think about the, the ideas and dreams and visions that you have for your company, uh, how can innovation really help you get there? Um, obviously, you You've got to have the execution side of things, but if you don't have a good, solid base of ideas to pull from and then build a plan around, then you really might be executing on just a portion of the things that you could be to generate the success that you want. Right. Nobody wants to be building that bridge to nowhere. That's for sure. Uh, one of uh, one of your clients, obviously, is Microsoft. And I don't want our listeners to feel that every client has to be of the caliber uh, that you would be Microsoft. What are your ideal clients and what type of services do you offer? Because it's more than innovation design. You bet. One of the things, uh, in fact, you said something a little earlier in our uh, interview about the kinds of companies and the kinds of teams. I'm getting ready to do an event here in a couple of weeks with a company that's in the sporting goods business, and I don't think I should identify them at this point because I haven't done the work for them, but Mm -hmm. basically we're going to have two groups. This company is very successful. They're doing extremely well, and they're actually looking to think ahead five years to say, what can they do to disrupt their entire industry in five years? So they're taking the good money and cash flow of their success right now, and they're investing it into five years out. And I'm doing two things with them that are kind of unique. One is we're meeting with the entire management team, which is about 12 people, for uh, a half a day. And then I'm going to meet with, we'll go on with the special forces team, which is just a group of other kind of crazy and creative people in the organization and all different types of uh, elements or responsibilities. And we're going to work with them for another half day. And then we're going to come back with the management team and kind of share all those ideas and try to flesh those out. So, I mean, when I think about ideal clients, I think about people that are open-minded and they're collaborative, they're positive, there's some level of urgency. And they're willing to admit they're either stuck, stale, starving, or in the case of this client, strong. They're strong now, and they want to use that strength to uh, make them stronger even more in the days ahead. Yeah, I love that. In fact, yesterday I just concluded a training with a uh, client, and they were very curious. They had never brought in an outside training company before, and uh, they brought us in, a a relatively small company, and um, their team was really puzzled. They they were kind of scratching their head thinking, what did we do wrong? And very quickly, I need to share with them that Clement Associates typically works with three different types of corporate clients. As you say, Mm -hmm. uh, folks that are stuck or potentially in crisis were often brought in uh, to break down silos and uh, amp up the trust, amp up the employee engagement. So 
we're brought in to solve a problem. Another time that we're brought in quite often is when there's a buyout, a merger or an acquisition where the old regime is very uh, aligned with the culture that we've come in and, and help them in the growth. And they're looking to get the new team members up to speed uh, with the modules and the mindsets that we've been able to uh, deliver to their team. And then the third category, which is so much fun because it can take off so incredibly quickly, are those companies that are already performing really well. And in your case, it sounds like the sporting goods company, they're already doing great. They're looking five years out now to figure out what's that next best move for them five years out. And that was just a real treat for me to work with the company that um, they gel they trust. Mm-hmm. They, I heard so often, uh, I know my teammates have my back. And because of that, we were able to take things at such a deeper level in terms of their commitment and what personal responsibility looks like and what boldness looks like and how focus really shows up in their company, as well as your favorite word, innovation. So that, mm-hmm. that is absolutely a fun client. I wish you well in a couple of weeks with uh, with that client. Share with us a little bit about what you can deliver for your clients and what kind of words of encouragement would you have out there for uh, the corporations out there that are looking to be innovative? Well, one of the things we've used the word uh, clarity or clarify several times, and that's one of the things that I really enjoy helping people deliver or deliver for them is to just help them get clarity about what they're really wanting to achieve and what they mean when they say things like innovation and uh, really what is their strategy going forward. So first I think would be clarity. Um, I think secondly would be just really kind of helping build a framework. And so trying to set up what are systems and processes that will work in order to engage uh, their employees and get them aligned around these common clarified goals. And so a framework would probably be number two. And then number three, hopefully, would come up with some solutions to some game-changing issues that they're facing such that we not only come up with these solutions, but their people get equipped uh, in a better way to increase their innovation capacity. I mean, what's their skill set? And innovation, how do they come up with new ideas? How do they then implement those ideas? And I think really that mix of uh, the training side of it and the actual ideas uh, or solutions, those are, those are the big results that I really help deliver. Fantastic. Well, John, I want people to be able to reach out to you. Would you share uh, your website? And one of the things on your website is your incredible magazine. I read it uh, cover to cover. So if you talk about the magazine real quickly and then also your email address, I just want to make sure folks know how to reach you. You bet. Well, the best place to contact me is through my website, and that's uh, www.brainstormnetwork.com. Kind of a long one, but uh, that's the way to track down all my contact information. My special offer is just a freebie, and that is I have a magazine called the High Stakes Innovation Magazine, and there's a strategy issue that I've put out that has this high stakes innovation model in it that we talked about. Also, I've got the innovation continuum um, sheet that I can send, and then also a copy of the innovation design wheel that we went over. So pretty much if anybody wants to just email me, that's the quickest way, and just send it to VOA, as in Voice of America, VOA at brainstormnetwork.com, 
And if you'll put in the subject line just VOA resources, I'll know what to send you. I'll put a little packet together, and that's all for free just to hopefully help your company and your organization figure out really what you can do to make innovation reality for your business. Fantastic, John. I thank you so much for being a guest on this show. You've been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Till next week, we say knock them alive. Thank you for tuning into our show. You can hear the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, be sure to take action and create your own success.